listening to a message from Whitefields Community Church in Northern Colorado. For more information and audio content, visit us at whitefieldschurch.com. First of all, I want to wish you a Merry Christmas and a good evening. We're so glad that you're here with us to sing and to celebrate the coming of Jesus into the world as our Savior. The title of my message tonight is In Thy Dark Streets Shineth, which is a line from the song, O Little Town of Bethlehem. We're going to sing it a little bit later on. But In Thy Dark Streets Shineth, that's the title. You know, one of the things I love about Christmas is the music. There's a whole genre of music that is unique to this time of year. And not all of it is good, right? Like you have the songs like, uh, like Last Christmas by Wham, which is one of the reasons why I'm always glad when Christmas is over, because it means I won't have to hear that song for at least 11 more months. Hopefully, I hope nobody plays it in between, you know? And then there's basically uh, Anything by Mariah Carey or that weird song about mommy kissing Santa Claus, which is always really hard to explain to my kids, especially when they believe that... Santa Claus, you know, that, that's really hard to explain to the kids. So, you know, not all Christmas music is good, but some of it's incredibly good, like the stuff that we're singing tonight about Jesus, right? These are the kinds of songs that are amazing. They give you goosebumps. And at Christmas, what are we celebrating? We're celebrating the coming of Jesus into the world. Do you realize that more songs have been written, more songs have been sung about this one man than about anybody else who has ever lived in the history of the world? That's incredible, especially when you consider some of the details of his life, right? Who was Jesus of Nazareth? He was poor. He never wrote a book. He never held political office. He never owned a house. He only lived into his early 30s. He never traveled more than 200 miles from his home. And yet for the past 2,000 years, more songs have been sung, more books have been written about this man than about anybody else who has ever lived. More people have dedicated their lives and done acts of selflessness and love and courage and sacrifice in the name of this one man motivated by him than anybody else who has ever lived to the point where we divide all of history based on his birth, right? Before him and after him. That's how we divide history. In fact, the biggest cultural celebration in the world today is Christmas, the celebration of his birth. It crosses cultural boundaries. It crosses continents. It's celebrated by people all over the world, even by people who don't follow him or worship him. Now, maybe there are some of you who say, okay, well, I heard on the internet that December 25th isn't actually Jesus' birthday. Are you shocked? That's true, by the way, and it's not a secret, right? That's not like a a secret that we try to make sure people don't know, right? We all know Jesus wasn't actually born on 25th of December. And did you know there are actually huge parts of the world, right? Like Russia, parts of Africa and Asia, where they celebrate Christmas on January 8th. And so which is it? Is it it January 8th? Is it December 25th? Well, probably neither, right? The, the fact is we don't know the exact date of Jesus' birth. We're pretty sure about the year. I'll tell you why right now. Because in Luke chapter 3, uh, you know, Luke in his gospel, he's really specific. He wants us to understand that these events he's talking about, this isn't once upon a time. This isn't a fairy tale. He gives us specific times and places. And he tells us there that Jesus began his ministry when he was 30 years old. And in chapter 3, he tells us that that happened in the 15th year of 
the reign of Tiberius Caesar. So it's really easy to do the math and we can add up and we can figure. That's why we know that Jesus was born in the year when, when he was born, but we don't know the exact day or month. Most scholars agree that probably Jesus was not born in the winter. And there are a few reasons why uh, we kind of have consensus about that. One of the reasons is because Luke's gospel, as we read earlier, tells us that when Jesus was born, there were shepherds out in their fields watching their flocks by night. Now, even in Israel, it gets way too cold in the winter for people to sleep outside or even animals to sleep outside at night. So it's very unlikely. I mean, it's more likely it happens sometime between spring and fall. The other reason is because as you might know, if you've read the story, right, Jesus' family had to go to Bethlehem because why? There was a census of all the Roman Empire that was being taken. That's why Joseph and Mary had to go to Bethlehem, which was Joseph's ancestral hometown. Now, since all the roads in Rome were made, or the Roman Empire, they were made of dirt, they would not have ordered a census in the winter when all the roads would have gotten torn up and there, there could be bad weather and snow in a lot of the empires. So if Jesus wasn't born at this time of year, right, in December, then why do we celebrate Christmas on this day? And the answer is really simple. This date was chosen for symbolic reasons. The church fathers, as we call them, way back in the day, they decided that, hey, since nobody knows the exact date of Jesus' birth, we ought to celebrate it in a time which symbolizes the significance of Jesus' birth. So they said we should do it on the darkest day of the year. Why? Because whenever the Bible talks about the coming of Jesus into the world, it uses the language of light entering into a dark place. See, we celebrate Jesus' birth on the darkest day of the year as a way of remembering that Jesus, the light of the world, came to save us from the power of darkness and lead us into the light of life. You know, when we sing this song, O Little Town of Bethlehem, and we read this line, right, that says, In thy dark streets shineth the everlasting light. The streets of Bethlehem weren't dark because it was winter, and it wasn't because they didn't have proper street lights, and it wasn't because uh, Jesus was born in the evening after the sun went down. No, the darkness that was in their streets is the same darkness that is in our streets. It's a spiritual reality. It's a spiritual darkness. You know, it's a darkness that exists, that's present even when the sun is high in the sky, even during the middle of the day. It's a darkness that is a spiritual reality which characterizes this world that we live in. That's why Matthew, in his gospel, when he talks to us about the significance of Jesus coming into the world, he reminds us of the words of Isaiah the prophet from way back when. And he's, here's what he says. This is the significance of Jesus coming into the world. Matthew 4. The people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. For those dwelling in the region and shadow of death, upon them a light has dawned. The setting for Christmas is darkness because the reason for Christmas is darkness. One of the things we like to do as a family at Christmas time is we like to drive around and look at Christmas lights because there's something about those lights shining against the crisp, clear darkness of a December night that sums up what Christmas is all about. You know, speaking of Christmas lights, I don't know how many of you have seen the new Star Wars movie, right? Maybe you haven't yet. If you haven't, I don't want to ruin it for you, but I'll just tell you this. Um, I, for, I thought for the most part it was really good, except for like how they brought back Darth Vader and he did that dance with the Ewoks where he was covered in those Christmas lights. I thought this is kind of Disney taking it way too far once again. But I also fell asleep for part of the movie, and so that might have been my dream or might have been the movie. I guess you just have to find out. But 
The people, who are these people who Matthew's talking about? Who are these people who Isaiah is talking about? The people who dwell in darkness. The people who dwell in the shadow of death. That's us. He's talking about you and me. That is his description of the human condition. See, we live our lives characterized by, in a world that's characterized by darkness. We live our lives, as Isaiah says, in the shadow of death. The idea of living in the shadow of death, right? It paints a picture in your mind, doesn't it? Of something looming over you, hovering over you. If you've ever stood in the shadow of a tall building or in the shadow of a tree, right? It hovers over you. It's right there. It's ever present and it casts its shadow upon you. And that is how Isaiah describes our lives. No matter how much fun you're having, no matter how much you're enjoying your life, death is looming over you. It's right there, casting its shadow over you, and you cannot escape it. And one day it is going to swallow you, and it is going to consume you. But here's the good news. For those dwelling in darkness, a light has come. For those who live under the shadow of death, a light has dawned. Something has happened that changes everything. Something has happened that can change your destiny. That is the message of Christmas. You see, it's not just the streets of Bethlehem that were dark. And it's not just that we dwell in darkness. You know what else it is? It's that darkness actually dwells in us. It's not just that we dwell in darkness. It's a darkness dwells in us. I was watching a TV show recently, and it was about corruption kind of on the corporate level, right, in uh, this big corporate business world. And one of the people in the show, she wanted to leave and kind of run away from this environment, this corruption, rather than confronting it and fighting against it. And another colleague of hers comes up to her, and this line just caught me. Uh, I was like, wow, that's it, right? Here's what he said to her. He said, do you think that if you just go to the next town that you can escape this? Do you think you can just run away from this? He says, wherever you go, check this out, human nature is surprisingly universal and it is universally disappointing. That's true, right? Because the problem isn't just that we dwell in darkness. The problem is that darkness actually dwells in us. We all have regrets. We've all done things which we know we shouldn't have done and, and yet See, it's not just that other people hurt us. It's that we hurt other people. The good news of the gospel, though, the reason why Christmas is something we're celebrating is because into this darkness, a light has come. The light of the world has come. When the angels appeared to the shepherds to announce the birth of Jesus, as we read in our scripture reading earlier, what did they say? They said, behold, we bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. And so for the remainder of our time, I just want to break that down and, and let's break that into three parts. And that will tell us a lot about what Christmas is about and why it's something we're celebrating. First of all, Christmas is good news. It's good news. You know, why is Christmas good news? It is, number one, good news because it is an announcement, not advice. Christmas is an announcement. It's not advice. When the angel said, I bring you good news of great joy, that word, good news, in Greek, it's actually a specific word, and it's the same word which in other places is translated gospel. So if you've heard the word gospel, right, kind of the core elements of the Christian beliefs. That word gospel, it comes from the Greek words which mean good news. 
Now, now, it wasn't just good news like how you and I might say, hey, I've got good news. You know, I got a free, I don't know, something at the store, right? No, it was very specific. This was like a technical word, which is used for a specific thing. It was reserved for really big, important announcements, the kinds of things that change history, right? Like key military victories or the birth of a new king. See, when something like that happened, they would send out messengers to take this gospel, this good news, into every town and to proclaim it everywhere that something incredible had happened. And what makes Christmas good news is that it's an announcement, not advice. It's an announcement, not advice. It's a really big difference, right? The gospel is the good news about Jesus. It's not advice about what you need to do. It's an announcement of what God has done. That's a really big difference. Again, let me just say this. Like if you look around at a lot of the Christmas advertising, or if you watch all 6,000 Hallmark movies that are exactly the same this time of year, right, you'll notice that what a lot of the message that you get from these movies or from advertising this time of year is this. The meaning of Christmas is be nice, be generous, and if we all hold hands, that we can make the world a better place. Now, I will say this, that is good advice, isn't it, right? Like being nice and being generous is good advice. And it would make the world a better place if we were more nice and generous to each other. The problem is we're not super good at advice, right? Like if, if all we needed was advice, then none of us would be overweight and none of us would be broke and we'd all be doing amazingly well, right? There's plenty of advice out there. There's financial advice, there's relationship advice, there's advice about dieting and exercise, and yet... People are still broke and we're still overweight, right? And we still have problems in our relationships. In other words, we don't just need advice. We need something more than advice. We need action. We need help is what we need. See, the problem for most of us isn't that we don't know what we ought to do. It's that we don't do what we ought to do all the time. In other words, the solution to our problem isn't just more good advice. What we need is not advice. What we need is action. We need help. And the message of the gospel, the message of Christmas, is that God has acted in history in order to do for you what you could not do for yourself. Christianity is not just more good advice about what you need to do better and try harder. It's an announcement about what God has done for you. And what is this announcement? Well, we read it there again in our text. What is it that God has done? Unto you this day is born in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So the second reason why Christmas is good news is because it means that a rescue mission has broken through enemy lines. A rescue mission has broken through enemy lines. The fact that the Savior has been born, you know what that means? It means that you and me need saving. Before Christmas is a, is a compliment, it's an indictment. It tells us that we need saving. But it also means this, that God loves you and he has not abandoned you to the darkness. He himself has come to save you. In John's gospel, John introduces us to the Christmas story, not by telling us, as Luke does, like about the details of what happened, but John instead tells us about the significance of what happened at Christmas. And here's what John says. He says, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things were made through him, and in him was life, and the life was the light of men, and that light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. Do you get what John is saying? 
He's saying that the meaning of Christmas is that God has come into this world in order to defeat darkness and rescue you. So imagine that picture, right? It's the picture of you are like a prisoner of war, a captive, a hostage, and you get news that there is a rescue mission to save you and they have broken through enemy lines. That is what Christmas means for you and me. God has broken through the enemy lines in order to save you and rescue you. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is from the Christmas story in Matthew's gospel. And and here's what it says. Matthew records that before Jesus was born, an angel appeared to Joseph. And the angel said to Joseph, she, he's talking about Mary, she will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. But that's not all he says. Then he goes on and he says this. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Once again, what is this telling us? It's telling us that Jesus' birth was God coming into this world on a rescue mission to save us. The name Jesus, which is in Hebrew, the name Yeshua, it's the same name as Joshua, and it means in Hebrew, God saves. God saves. What will he save us from? It says he will save his people from their sins. You know what sin is? Sin is the darkness that dwells inside of us. That is what Jesus came to save us from, from the darkness that leads to death. And Jesus later declared as he announced who he was, he said, I am the light of the world and whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The message of Christmas is that salvation is not something you can do for yourself. You need a savior, but the good news is that God has come in Jesus to be the savior you need. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. He is the light of the world who entered into our darkness. He entered into the shadow of death in order to save us. And he took on the full force of the darkness. Even though he never sinned, he was rejected, he was crucified, and he died. But through his death, he overcame darkness and defeated death. He rose on the third day from the grave and he now offers his hand to you to rescue you. He offers you salvation as a gift, the ultimate Christmas gift to save you from darkness, the darkness that is without and the darkness that is within, to rescue you out from under the shadow of death, to bring you into the light of life and ultimately one day to save you from this present darkness and bring you into his glorious light forever. And here's the thing, though, like with any gift, like the gifts you're going to give tonight and tomorrow, guess what? You have to receive them. A gift has to be received. How do you receive this gift? Well, remember what Jesus said. He said, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. What does it mean to follow Jesus? Well, let's just think through that word, right? To follow implies action, not passivity, It means not just nodding your head and agreeing to something in theory. It means that you act on those things. So it implies action. It implies movement. It means that you're not stuck in your ways. You're not sedentary. You're not staying still where you are, but you're moving from where you are to where he's leading you and taking you. To follow implies that he's your leader. He's your captain. He's your master. He is your Lord. It means that you trust in him and what he's done for you. You cling to him and you rely on him as your savior. And what that leads to is great joy. That's why it's called good news of great joy. 
You know, Christmas is the answer to the question, how much does God really love me? How much does God really love me? Christmas is the answer. He loves you so much that he left the brilliance of heaven for a dirty stable. He traded a throne for a cross in order to make you his own. That's how much he loves you. That's what Christmas is about. And it has been said that the chief mark of a Christian is the absence of fear and the presence of joy. The absence of fear and the presence of joy. How do you get rid of your fears? How do you experience that kind of joy? I love this verse in 1 John chapter 4, verse 18. It tells us that perfect love casts out fear. Perfect love casts out fear. God's love is perfect love, and that's what his love does. It casts out fear. Because of his love, you don't have to fear death if you are in Christ, because you don't live anymore under the shadow of death. In him, you don't have to fear hardship, because he will be with you, he'll carry you through it, and he'll even use it for good and for his glory. In him, you don't have to fear failure, because he gives you your identity. You are who he says you are, not anybody else. Perfect love casts out fear. It replaces it with joy. Because of who Jesus is, God with us, and because of what he's done, we have hope, and that hope produces joy. And finally, it's good news of great joy. For who? For all people. If you read the Christmas story, one of the things you'll notice is that the two very different groups of people who come to worship Jesus when he's born On the one hand, there are these wise men from the east. Now, these wise men from the east, right, they were wealthy. We know because of the gifts they gave. They were learned. They were educated. They were what we might call in our day, we would call them the 1%. They're the cultural elites. They're the people with money, people with education. They're the top rung of society. But on the other hand, the other group that comes to Jesus is the exact opposite end of the spectrum. They're the shepherds. Shepherds in that day were considered the lowest of the low. They were uneducated. They were dirty. They were looked down upon in society. And then there's Mary, right? The one whom God chooses to be Jesus's mother. When the angel comes to her and says, Mary, God chose you to be the one through whom he's going to bring the promised Savior, what was Mary's response? Her response was, really? Me? Are you sure? And then later on, when she talks about it, she says, God has looked upon my lowly estate. What was a lowly estate? First of all, she was a young woman, probably a teenager. She was poor. And by becoming pregnant before she was married, which, by the way, was kind of unavoidable since she had to be a virgin, right? So by being, becoming pregnant before she's married, she became a social outcast if she wasn't already. Now, there are some people who look at the Christmas story and they look at Christianity and they say, the problem with Christianity is that it's so narrow and so exclusive. Because Christianity says this, if Jesus is God, as the Bible says he is, if Jesus is the Savior, then you have to trust in him. You have to follow him in order to be saved. And here's what's so interesting. I've met a lot of people who have said, no, All you have to do to be saved is be a good and moral person. And they say, all good and decent people in the world will be saved. If you live a good life, then you'll be saved. You know what the problem with that is? The problem is not all of us are moral. Not all of us have lived good lives. Not all of us are decent. What hope is there for us? Some of us are failures. Some of us are broken. Some of us have done things that we're not proud of. In other words, we're sinners and we know it. 
And here's what we see. Both the wise men and the shepherds, the elites and the outcasts, both come to the same place. They both come to Jesus. They have to. He is the Savior. And both are invited to Jesus and both are welcomed by Jesus. He is the Savior for all people. And considering that gives us so much hope. It means that no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter who you are, there's a place for you in his family, in his kingdom. There is hope for you in Jesus. Christmas is good news of great joy for all people, and that includes you. Jesus, the light of the world, entered our darkness to rescue us from the power of sin and death and bring us into the light of life. That is God's gift to you. And my question is this, will you receive it? Whether for the first time or the 500th time, will you receive that gift this Christmas? If you do, then you will truly experience Christmas joy. Amen? Lord, we thank you for this good news. And truly, Lord, help us to see it for what it is, good news of great joy for all people. Lord, we ask that you'd fill our hearts with that overwhelming joy, Lord, that comes from really seeing clearly what it is you've done, what you've saved us from, and what you've saved us for. So Lord, this, as we go from here tonight, Lord, I pray that we truly would receive this gift that you offer us in Jesus. And Lord, please receive our worship as we sing these great Christmas songs as songs of worship unto you. We pray that in Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to a message from Whitefields Community Church in Northern Colorado. For more information and audio content, visit us at whitefieldschurch.com.